All right, so we are still in Unit 8 of God's Economics. Unit 8 is ministry and money. And we're at point E. Point E is show no favoritism to the rich or to the poor. Now, people that I have met tend to go one way or the other on this. Most people, because just of the inherent human nature of selfish ambition, most people will tend to favor or show partiality to the rich person. What have we learned in other segments of this course? Everybody loves the rich person. Everybody's a friend to the one who gives gifts. And lots of people are friends to the, to the person that they think could give them a gift or might give them a gift. Or maybe there's the possibility that someday, you know, they'll give me a gift. Or if I'm really, really nice to them, maybe they'll leave me something when they die, right? Now, listen, I know you you think I'm joking, but I have literally heard people talk like that and even pray like that. You know, people quoting in prayer meetings, we talked about this in a prior unit, but about how the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. And people are literally thinking that they're praying some prayer to God saying, well, let them die so I can can receive their wealth. No, that's the very person that you're supposed to be praying for their soul so that their soul does not burn in hell for the rest of eternity, rather than praying for yourself to receive their money when they die. Okay, do you see how twisted, how completely twisted up this gets? And even if you're not praying for them to die, are you praying for their downfall, for their their business to fall apart so that you can receive it? You know, it just gets so twisted, this this issue of ministry and money. So most people will tend to show favoritism to the rich, but there are also other people who they get a hold of the fact that God loves the poor, right? And so they then begin to think that the poor have this great and tremendous wisdom that rich people just don't have because they have this reality in their lives that rich people just don't have. And to some extent, let me tell you, to some extent, they are right in that. However, there can be just like assuming that all rich people are smart and whatever, you want to be friends with them, the, the same can be true. That That's not true. Um, but the same can happen with people who favor the poor. It's like, well, because they're poor, they're always right. Because they're poor, they deserve that, you know, we should just cut them a break and not hold them accountable for evil things that they've done. Well, that's just as wrong as not holding someone who is rich accountable for what they've done, okay? Jesus did not show partiality to the rich or to the poor. And I know in a segment past, I shared about the young man and how he thought, okay, yeah, the poor, that's where Jesus would hang out. And no, Jesus hung out with all different types of people. Jesus ate at dinner parties of wealthy people. He went to their homes and he dined with them. And he also went into the homes of the poor. He went into the homes of the Pharisees, the tax collectors, the the peasants, the farmers, the prostitutes, he went where God sent him. All people, every sinner needs God. All people need God. 
But the fact that you're making judgments based on whether they are rich or poor shows that to some extent, you're not serving God with a pure heart. You're still assessing by money. And I don't mean discernment. Listen, I'm not asking you to go blind. You can see clearly that a person is rich, but don't let it distort or pervert the way that you think about them. You can see clearly that someone is poor, but don't let it distort the way that you think about them. Issues of God are discerned by the Holy Spirit, not by whether they are rich or poor. Now, whether they are rich or poor will tremendously impact the way that they live their life and the things that they're able to do or not do, the limitations that might be on them or the freedoms that they have. But either one of those, the limitations and the freedoms, can be a cause for sin if the person themselves is not totally submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and obedience to the Holy Spirit. So it's not about rich or poor. The issue is Jesus. Okay, the issue is always Jesus, and Jesus showed no partiality in whoever he ministered to. And even consider for a moment that there are rich people who had children who were deathly ill or who were deathly ill themselves. There were poor people who had children who were deathly ill or were deathly ill themselves. Jesus, if they came to Jesus in faith, Jesus healed them all. Rich or poor, he wasn't looking at that. There was a rich nobleman who came to Jesus and said, please heal my son. And Jesus healed his son. There were poor people, lepers, outcasts of society who came and knelt before Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing, be healed. So it, it's not a matter of rich or poor for Jesus, no partiality. So James also talks a bit about this in the letter to James, the believers that James is addressing, they had gotten themselves tied up or tangled up in some different kinds of selfish ambition. So we learn about that. He talks about money in chapter one, the rich and the poor in chapter one of James. He talks about it in chapter two. We're about to read a bit about that here. He also continues to talk about it in chapter three and chapter four. So there you have it. You got pretty much the whole book of James. James is talking about believers getting tangled up in their viewpoints about the rich and the poor and about money. And he said in James 3, where there is covetousness. What's covetousness? That's, I see your stuff and I want your stuff. I want what you have. Okay? That's, you're rich, I'm poor, I want what you have. And selfish ambition. What's selfish ambition? I want to advance myself. And sometimes I want to advance myself at the expense or the cost of other people. All right. James said where there is covetousness and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every kind of evil. 
All right. So that is not the way that it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. In James 4, he's like, don't rejoice in this. No. He said, you're arguing because you don't have what you ask. And the reason you don't have what you ask is because you're asking with all the wrong motives because you want to be rich. You want to have stuff. You want God to bless you and give you money so you can spend it on the silly stuff that you want to advance yourselves in this world. And you have arguments between you because you're arguing over stuff. He said, you know what? Don't rejoice in this. You should be weeping and wailing and repenting before the Lord for how disgusting that behavior is in the sight of God. He says, cleanse yourself. Wash yourselves, you double-minded. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Okay, I'm going off in this tangent. I'm quoting all of these things from the book of James, but you know, where I just want to show that James, he has a lot to say about believers and money and how things can get contorted when we don't keep things in the right place. But I do. I want to stay focused. Forgive me for the tangent. We're in the unit on ministry and money, and and we're talking about not showing favoritism to the rich or to the poor. So here, we don't have James 1 or James 3 or James 4. We have a passage from James 2 in your study guide. Let's take a look, starting with verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So you see, they're they're saying, oh, a rich man came in, yeah, give him the good seat. We want him to like our church. We want him to like our congregation because you know what? That guy, he probably, if he if we can get him to tithe that the 10% of whatever that guy's got, yeah, that's gonna we're gonna be able to do a lot of work with that. You know, like I've been believing God for this such and such over here that I really want. So if that guy we'll we'll give him the good seat so he likes this place, so he wants to give his tithes and offerings here because then I can get that stuff that I've been asking God for. Do you see how sick and twisted that is? But then the poor person comes in and it's like, hey, you sit in the back. We're trying to attract the beautiful people here. You kind of stink and you look like you haven't had a bath in a week. So we don't, you're not, we don't want to put you on display. We don't want people thinking that, you know, you're the type of person that we're after. So you like, you know, go, go sit in the back. We don't want you to be up in the front. This is what was happening in the church that James was writing this letter to. It's not okay. Those are evil thoughts. You become a judge. Okay, this one has, that one has not. You become a judge with evil thoughts, selfish ambition, covetousness, evil deceptions in your heart. I know a woman who dressed up. She was not a poor woman. She was an average middle-class woman. She went to a church. Um, She was a member of that church. But one day, she decided to test the church that she went to. 
And so she dressed herself in rags. She, like, didn't bathe for three or four days so she could work up a nice good stink. And she, you know, got herself kind of dirty on purpose. And and she wore shabby clothes. And she walked in not looking good and not smelling good. And she had, I think she maybe put a wig on or something like that. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But she dressed up as a homeless person and went to her church to see what would happen. Now, thankfully, the church that she went to, there were some beloved and wonderful people there, and the pastor himself walked straight up to her and said, hello, sister, how are you? We're so blessed that you're here with us today. So she tested her church, and the church that she was going to succeeded in treating her well but and she knew the pastor so she you know she had to reveal herself and she was like hey stop it it's me don't don't let on I, i'm i'm doing something and so the pastor just kind of laughed and let her go about doing her thing she wanted to see how people would respond to her if she presented herself in a way of a poor person so just an interesting tidbit. I don't know if you've ever been in a congregation where someone has done that, but it would be an interesting test to see how people behave towards you because they're making judgments and with evil thoughts based on what you look like, what you smell like, how you carry yourself, how you present yourself. It, you know, it starts to get interesting pretty quickly. We're up to verse five. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Again, it's good news to the poor. Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Verse six, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? You know, this is the thing. People have this mindset. People who don't have money or want money, they always have these comments like, well, if I had money, I would do this. Or they look at a rich person and they're like, you know, if I was in their position, I would be doing this with it. You know, but they're so mean. They don't understand what it's like. You know, they just have anything they want. But even that, even those are evil thoughts. Those are not acceptable thoughts. Those are not loving thoughts. But a lot of times when someone has come out of oppression, what James is pointing out, you know, the rich ones in Roman culture, in Roman society, the wealthy people were the ones who were in charge. And if you were poor, if you were in a lower class, then you had to serve the rich people. And in some parts of the Roman Empire, you weren't even allowed to look at a rich person or you could be beaten for it. If If they were in the upper echelon of society, then, you know, there were just things that were culturally not acceptable. So the rich were the ones who were oppressing people. But then suddenly you find yourself in a ministry situation or the church is gathered together and a rich person walks in, the same person that two weeks ago you were like, oh, man, they're such an oppressor. You know, they're just, you know, beating me up, making my life hard, all this stuff. But they walk into your church and all of a sudden you're like, "Ooh, maybe we can get an offering out of you. You get the best seat. You come in the front row. Do you see how this gets slippery and twisted? So verse 7, are not they the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Right? So 
Uh, in in Roman culture, again, the the rich would blaspheme the honorable name, not necessarily by uh, specifically blaspheming God, although they might have used God's name as a curse word, as many people do today when they want to exclaim that something is bad. They use the name of Jesus to do that, which is not only wrong and irreverent and blasphemy, but it also doesn't make any sense. Um, it's not it's not a curse word. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. But they blaspheme by presenting themselves as important or not honoring God or even conducting themselves as if they are gods because they are wealthy and they have money. Again, this is all in the Roman Empire context. But James continues, verse 8, If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Now, the royal law, according to Scripture, that is the law of Torah. That is the law of Moses. That is the law of God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. For in this is the summation of the law and the prophets, right? So that's the royal law. If you do that, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin, and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Okay, so he's saying it's against the law, the law of God, to show partiality. Well, let's take a look at where that is. It's in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 15. This is the law of God, right? You think that, oh, by showing favoritism to the rich, that you're you're just showing love. This is good Christian love, right? You think you're loving your neighbor as yourself. No, you have actually shown partiality. Leviticus 19, 15 says, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Okay, so Leviticus is very clear. This is Moses that is writing this from the commands of God. You cannot show partiality to the poor just because they are poor. You can also not defer to the great or just do whatever they say because they have money or because they have position. Just because they have money and just because they have position doesn't mean they're not lying about the circumstances of whatever happened or whatever conflict is in the court of law before the judges. You have to follow justice and righteousness. That's it. God is the righteous one. What God says, what the word of God says, you cannot be partial to the poor or defer to the great. It is against the law of God. And if you think that you're showing love by showing partiality either to the poor or to the great and blinding yourself to the truth because you're showing partiality to them for whatever reason, you are not behaving in righteousness. And it is not actually the love of God. So here's another reference. This one is from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 17. And this is the second part of the verse. So I just, oh no, it's the first part. So I put a little A there. 17, you shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone for the judgment 
is God's. Okay, so this is another example. If you're going to render a verdict, you cannot be partial and you cannot be intimidated. You cannot disregard the cry of the poor because you don't want to hear what they have to say because they are poor. And you cannot, you know, disregard the rich just because you don't like rich people. And you can't place more emphasis on the rich because they have a standing in the community or they are wealthy or they have position. You cannot be intimidated by the position that they have. You cannot be persuaded or swayed because of the position that they have. Just because they have money and just because they're able to pay for something, even something that you desire, it can blind you to what the truth of the matter is before you. You've got to, like Paul, like the Apostle Paul, what we talked about in the prior segments, keep your eyes so firmly fixed on Jesus, knowing that Jesus is your provider. That in your service, your ministry service unto the Lord and how he sends you to serve other people, that you keep your heart so pure before the Lord and so pure towards other people that you are not partial to the rich or to the poor and you are not intimidated by anyone, no matter how important they might seem. Another one, last one, Deuteronomy 16 and verse 19. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. And you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Okay, so there it is. So if you are able to be bribed, then you are serving mammon. You are not serving God. You cannot accept payment for ministry. You cannot accept payment to do what man wants you to do if it is not what God wants you to do. Favoritism and partiality. And believe me, friends, when you're in ministry and you're in need, you've got to fight The human heart and sinful nature wants to show partiality to the rich. It just does. Because you're thinking you're a person who has the ability to cut the check that I need the provision right now for what I am doing for the Lord. We have to keep our hearts totally pure, obeying only the Holy Spirit, only the voice of Jesus guiding us on and trusting him, trusting that he will surely provide all that we need.